Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass from episode 221. Glad you could join us. We got a, a bit of a thinner list today, but we got some good topics. So let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am Soraya Zell. What have you been up to lately, buddy? Oh, not too much. The usual business. Um, the uh, As I talked about, I think, last week, the uh, the new WoW expansion drops. I've been playing through a fair bit of that until um, I get tired of it and then put it away for two years. How often do they, they drop those expansions? Every couple of years. And how long do you usually play before you kind of get bored of it? Yeah, a month or two. Like microburst. Wow. Okay, okay. There you go. All right, next up is Bait. Uh, what's up, everybody? My name is Bait. Uh, I'm a Florida man and um, playing Eve. What are you doing in Eve today? Uh, it is mining day for everybody in the core. Mining day is always fun. All right, Jay, you're up. Yeah, you're Hey guys, it's Jay. I'm also one of the uh, hosts here on Biomass, and I have been grinding some de- some Destiny t- uh, for the last couple three weeks, uh, working through Solstice, he- Solstice of Heroes, and uh, kind of, you know, frankly, a little bit surprised that the the bombs Bungie keeps dropping in a in positive way every time they do a weekly update. A lot of lot of news um, that keeps coming out about the, the Forsaken update. And I've been very much uh, eyeing my backlog or my soon-to-be backlog of games with things like Red Dead, Anthem, Doom. May I might even get into COD. I mean, COD was looking pretty good from what I what I was able to see from the beta. So looks like a busy fall uh, as we transition out of the out of the later latter part of summer and uh, when you know when the weather gets cooler and people aren't running around to the lake and stuff as much. And now you get a little bit more time to game. So uh, looks like there could be a lot of stuff on the on the. Uh, horizon we could talk about yeah there's definitely some good stuff coming up and we'll probably touch on some of the titles that i think each of us are all looking forward to and have some overlap we can get together and do some uh some streaming or some recording it should be fun i was actually going to mention i i kind of forgot um i do i do actually now own destiny 2 i don't know if i'll actually play it but i own the destiny 2 and uh all the expansions that are out so far i think how, how did you do that did you, did you actually i uh no, I I bought a I bought a GTX 1080. Oh, uh, I gotcha. Which is a graphics card that costs as much as y'all's game consoles. Money, money, money. <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's getting a little reluctant to give it all to RSI, so he's he's diversifying his investment at this point. But uh, yeah, so um, well, so the thing is, is they're expecting the new graphics cards uh, from NVIDIA are supposed to be announced like this next week, and then they should come out in the next month or so. So I got a card that's that I think the MSRP for this card was like 650 and I got it for like 400 So it's kind of a kind of a, a good deal. That's insane, man. I mean, I know some of those those higher end cards coming out are really high up there. It's it's beyond my my pay grade, but uh, they do they do make some good stuff nowadays. It's like uh, you know, that's uh, cheaper than that card is still cheaper than the the new PS4 Pro. So, well, the thing is that you actually like can play a game on a PS4 Pro. You can't just like plug a keyboard into your graphics card and do something with it. So. Right, but it's 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 a it's a modular thing. Like I haven't actually rebuilt this PC in like, I don't know, a long time. And so you could just replace parts here and there. And my computer and my computer kicks a PS4 Pro's rear. Well that's probably because the graphics card costs more than the whole the whole thing. But regardless, Livy, you're up. Yeah, um 
So I'm Libby. Um, I'm also grinding in Destiny to get my big girl gear. Um, I know we'll talk about that later. So She's laughing because she was asking in the background if um, you could hook up a Raspberry Pi to your graphics card and play games on it. Because those no. are cheap. Those are cheap. I, I, do, I do have like some Raspberry Pis. I had one that I, I hung on to for a few years and I didn't really use it. And I found a use for it. And then uh, now that I was finally using the Raspberry Pi I owned, I obligatorily bought two more. Well, the good news is, is that my brother's not here because he's been building like Nintendo ROM things on a Raspberry Pi. And as Jay can, can attest, he will go on for probably the whole length of the show and could be an excellent filler if we like want to take a it's, break. It's really a trigger. Like even if you talk about the fruit raspberry starts, can I, I've been thinking about how you can overclock a raspberry Pi. <laughs> And he's asking me about how to how to water cool a Raspberry Pi so you can overclock it so you can play like Star Fox on it. I'm like, dude, you're asking the wrong person. But we, we we could really do a whole episode where he gets on the show and I just go, Dante, tell me your recent endeavors with Raspberry Pi, and we could all just walk away for like three hours and come back, and he'd still be going. We'd have like three three weeks of content. That'd be great. All right, he's um, a very individual. He he is passionate about what he does and. Regardless if you're passionate about it, he will let you know how passionate he is about what he does. You're going to be passionate while you play. Oh my god. Anyways, um, I'm Pokey. I help host the show, and I do a bunch of YouTube stuff for the uh, the Biomass Media Empire, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So I've been also been playing Destiny 2, getting caught up on a lot of stuff. Livy and I kind of been tag-teaming that along with some help from Jay here and there. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But let's get started with some kind of uh, TV show stuff going on. So... New trailer for Star Wars Resistance. I didn't catch the trailer for this one, so what's this one all about, guys? Yeah, so pretty much uh, Dave Filoni, uh, that that glorious animator uh, and, and story man over at Disney, um, is back at it with a brand new show. Um, it, the gist of it is that it's, it's set just a few months after uh, Force Awakens, and it's going to follow this, this like ace pilot spy kid that the Resistance has recruited. Uh, to you know, kind of, uh, kind of watch the uh, the, the where are they the first order. Um, so that that's really all we know. Um, there's a couple of um, of you know uh, callouts, I guess, if you will, to uh, to Force Awakens um, in in the trailer. So I think BB88 or BB8 or whatever his name is appears in the in the trailer, and then um, Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma are also in, and they are. Um, they will be voiced by the the actors from the movie too, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and then I think that's set to to premiere on Disney Channel proper uh, October seventh, and then it's going to move to something called Disney XD um, at a later uh, unannounced date. So is this the same guy that did uh, Clone Wars and um, what was the other one? Rebels. And- and Rebels, yeah, it's the exact same dude. Yeah, he did the the Clone Wars movie, the TV show, and then Rebels. And from all I can gather, um, he he's going to be a little more hands off with this series, just so that he can focus on um, on the new season of Clone Wars that they're doing. Um, so it, it'll be less it'll be less of him in this new series, but he still will uh, have input. And and we'll give ideas to the to the story guys over there. Um, so it, it'll be really interesting to see what they do. And it, it's also if you if you look at the trailer, I, the I think the biggest thing that, that people will note is that it's a huge departure 
um, from an animation standpoint than what either Rebels or Clone Wars was. It look both. It looks radically different. So it, it'd be interesting. It looks a lot like um, like Ruby, uh, if you're familiar with yeah, that on yeah. the on the YouTube's. It's uh, it's basically the same style as the that uh, CG cell shaded sort of look that you get out of Borderlands, uh, which is, I mean, it, it tonally like the trailer. It reminded me a lot of the uh, that you know the Tron series that was on Disney XD. If you guys remember that one, that which was outstanding. It was it was definitely a really 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 good uh, series. Probably more adult than Disney was. Was probably wanting to have uh, it, was, it was a pretty meaty series, but that style of animation uh, is very much what you see in uh, in this one. It looks really good. It, it looks like really crisp, really sharp, uh, very cinematic. Uh, I, I was pretty impressed by it. Yeah, those, those no, animation so, guys so. over there. Sorry, go ahead. Pope. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You're good. Oh, I was just gonna say that those guys are, are super talented, and I, I don't think that. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that we'll expect to see the same kind of, of quality, you know, that we had with Re- with both Rebels and Clone Wars, just in this new uh, style, I guess. Now, I thought this. I thought this was taking place just before the Force Awakens. Oh, was it? I, I might have misread either just before or just after. We'll have to we'll have to confirm that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and, I, and by the way, we're both speaking from a period, a point of like we don't know what else is really going on with it, but I, I think. I thought the premise was it was basically trying to fill in some of the story of how did you get from, you know, like what was leading up to what we saw with the resistance going at, going at it with the first order, uh, so to speak, which would kind of make some sense because there, there probably wouldn't be a lot of Poe or BB-8 once the Force Awakens shit starts going because that's, that's kind of back-to-back-to-back stuff, at least as far as I can tell in terms of like movie content. Right, and, and you're right. I, I just tapped back over to the Wikipedia page, and, and it, it is after it is uh, before. Sorry, it, it is set before Force Awakens. So that was my fault. What, what was your um, now? I know, like the trailer is only like a, I think it's like a like a minute and ten seconds or a minute and twenty seconds long. Did you get a sensing of if you were going to bracket this in terms of? Uh, do you think it's like? From a maturity standpoint, the latter part of Clone Wars, early Clone Wars, maybe some of. Uh, you know the Phoenix Squadron stuff you get with Star Wars Rebels. Where would you like? Do you see? Do you see this is more of like definitely like a, a kid kid show or you know something that all ages can get something out of? And I kind of hope that they'll kind of follow that progression, if you will, of you know starting off less mature, uh, if that makes sense. That the Clone Wars kind of did, and then slowly progress into uh, more mature themes um, and and just story concepts as the series goes on, um, just to kind of ease everybody into it. Looks radically different uh, than anything, and that's good. That's people are going to have you know preconceived notions about that um, just solely based on the animation style. Um, I, I, I didn't really get a sense of either I don't think uh, from the trailer but I mean that obviously remains to be seen so yeah I mean overall I'd say this is definitely one of those things I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, and Disney XD is usually where they put their more kind of uh, you know teen young adult level level shows so that probably is a good good indicator of where you're at uh, and, and uh, 
I was a big fan of the Rebels. I mean, Rebels was a little bit hit or miss in all fairness, but when it was good, it was really good. Like their, mm-hmm. their highs were really high. So I, and uh, that's one of the things I do like is that they have some of the creative people that were involved in that, particularly in the latter parts um, that can, I, I think, I think see how that unfolded. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in see how this, how this goes. It should be kind of interesting. I'm definitely on board for, to, to at least give it a go. Yep. Cautiously optimistic here. No, I think that's good stuff because, I mean, they've had really good success, I think, with kind of filling in the missing blanks between the major films with these animated series. And this guy obviously has a pedigree of really diff- you know, delivering on these, so should be good. So moving along to something which I know you guys are huge fans of, uh, Iron Fist Season 2 got a trailer. What do you guys think of that one, coming from the perspective of someone who watched the first season? Uh, um, I mean, that could be enough right there. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get fisted again. Let me put it that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was kind of like eh, it looks like it's well, more of what we uh, had before. In, in all fairness, it it definitely looks like they've taken some of the the beefs with the first season and and they've tried to they, they've tried to adjust some things. Like, and it's it's very hard to tell from the first from the first trailer. Although uh, they did make a point of showing him. In, in what's what looks like a, at least a markedly better fight choreography kind of kind of scenario. So I uh, I hope I hope that they take some of the the concerns with the first the first season and they and they they recalibrate. Uh, I will probably wait to see how you know, get a sensing from a couple other people on how this thing goes this thing goes before I dive in on it. But uh, I my, I'm not going to say I'm cautiously optimistic, which is the watchword of, of our podcast. I would say that um, if they if it seems like they've taken some lessons learned from the first year se- from the first season and they've tried to get better, I may I will probably give them a go just because I, I can appreciate when somebody takes some feedback and, and they try to adjust what they're doing. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I think that one's been a pretty weak weak part of what they've been trying to do with that series, and hopefully they can try to you know spruce up a bit and make it a little more popular and, and more successful than the previous iteration. And that's actually coming out pretty soon. It's September 7th, so that's in, what, three weeks? That's it's pretty close. Not even, like, two weeks. Anyway, so moving along to some more gaming-related news. Have you guys heard anything about this uh, Dead Cells review plagiarism thing with IGN? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, so to kind of get people caught up, there was a YouTuber by the name of Boomstick Gaming who made a video review. It was like a quick, like three, four minute long review of a game that just came out called Dead Cells. And it was, it was pretty good. I watched it. It was, you know, short and sweet, but it was a good review. Well, then this writer for IGN, um, I think his name is Philip uh, Mewson, wrote a review for Dead Cells for IGN. As, you know, they often do, they contract out people to, you know, write the reviews. And so Boomstick Gaming gets on Reddit, I think it was, and he's like, so I think IGN plagiarized my review. What should I do? And he made like a little video, like a side-by-side comparison of the two video reviews. And holy shit, like this isn't like a, it sounds similar. It's like, you he know. He basically took, took that dude's video script and turned it into his article. Yeah, changed a few words, the usual like high school plagiarism bullshit where you change the wording but it was the same thing same sentence structure same you know overall structure of the review almost all the words were identical it was really bad like not even close to arguable so 
this went like really viral from the Reddit thing that this guy posted. And they put a lot of pressure on IGN, like, hey, what the fuck, guys? You need to really take a look at this and, and see. And IGN was like, all right. So they they said, well, we'll look into it further. And I think it was probably like a day, day or so past. And they said, you know what? We have found that this, you know, review is indeed close enough to be considered plagiarism. And we have removed the review and fired this guy, Philip, from our staff because, you know, that's completely unacceptable. That's not what we're all about. You know, this is, this is not okay. So a few days pass and it was pretty quiet and people thought it was kind of over with. So then this Philip guy who was also a YouTuber makes this, and we'll, we'll say with quotes, apology video where he basically says, well, you know, yeah, it was plagiarized, but it wasn't really my fault, which I'm not really sure how you accidentally plagiarize something directly, but that's what he said. And it was kind of this half-assed apology. And he kind of called people out like, hey, you know, it happens, but, you know, you can look at any of my other stuff and all of it's completely original content. Well, like Jason Schreier and a bunch of other like people on the internet were like, okay, let's look into this. And so they really dug into this guy's content and they first kind of looked at the IGN stuff and they found out that basically almost everything this dude wrote for IGN was basically plagiarized. In many cases, he actually plagiarized other IGN writers for his own articles. Um, and then they looked at his YouTube stuff and realized that he had actually lifted a lot of like forum posts and stuff and made videos verbatim with other people's forum posts and passed that off as his own content. So People are pissed at this point. And so IGN's like, holy shit. So they start digging into all of this and they said, yeah, it was kind of disturbing. We kept finding again and again and again that this guy plagiarized all this stuff. And they said, we basically, anything he wrote for us is gone. They wiped everything that this guy ever wrote, scrubbed his name from the website. Anything that he was involved with was taken down. And they're like, we will come back and re-review this stuff properly. Um, and of course, issued many apologies to all the people that were plagiarized from, but it has been a shit show over this whole thing. Yep. That's a, that's a very good uh, descriptor of it. And uh, you know, I mean, if you, it, one thing I will say is like in, with the amount of saturated coverage on any given topic, I don't care what it is, like whether it's gaming or, you know, politics, whether it's gardening, it doesn't matter. You can find, in a current format about the same article, uh, you know, or given a given topic, basically the same one page article or five minute video said in 75 different ways. But I, I rarely see something that looks like a guy just straight up lifted it, you know, and, and I actually went back and looked at the, looked at some of his shit. Um, and I saw some of the, the comparison stuff on Reddit, uh, you know, kind of really got this guy lit on fire. Like, for example, um, when Bungie puts out a weekly update, there are any number of play, you know, places online, uh, news, news entities online that cover gaming, uh, blogs, any number of YouTubes or Twitch streams or whatever that are basically going to cover that same, effectively a press release, you know, that, that Bungie communicates every week. And they're all going to say the same thing because they, they basically read through the read through the document and they kind of give their opinion of it. But they're all different and they're all noticeably different, either how the guy presents it or the guy or gal, you know, they're presenting it, their style or what they emphasize or whatever. Uh, but, you know, it's a given topic. Again, it's very obvious that it's not 
that they're not lifting it from somebody else. They're just all covering the same thing. This guy, it, it was so blatant that he was literally just copy pasting and doing like a couple word replaces that it just, I mean, even that low bar he could not meet. And, and the reality is, is he could have found four or five other, you know, reviews of dead cell, which by the way, reportedly is a, is a pretty stand up game. Um, and he could have basically not played the game and made a convincing review and not have not have had to copy that copy anybody's original work. And that's what the worst thing is. It's not that it's not just that he was you know plagiarizing. He did it shittily. That's the that's the worst part. And, and that you know so I, good on IGN for catching it. You know so as soon as it was brought their attention, they immediately uh, you know kind of attacked the problem. Uh, and and in all fairness, you know IGN that they're probably they're one of the the uh, longer tenured and probably bigger names in sort of the, the game entertainment industry sort of media, and, and they try to, and they treated it like a professional news news organization would treat it a very serious um, you know issue that relates to the you know basically the the cachet that their that the name IGN has and and you know they want to be a trustworthy media outlet so they you know they dealt with the problem is the only way you really can which is making this guy persona non grata so hats off to them but i mean it's, it's kind of unfortunate that this happens hopefully though what this means is a lot of people will start being a little bit more uh you know a little bit more sharp with the eye when they're looking at, at some of this kind of stuff because like i said a lot of it sounds it sounds a lot alike you know any any number of things sounds a lot alike you know when coming out of e3 so you know, maybe we'll get a little bit better, uh, better quality articles coming out of out of people generally because of this. Who knows? No, I, I totally agree with you, man. And it's it's like <laughs> I understand that it's very fast moving in the gaming industry, and it's hard to keep up and actually legitimately play things properly and thoroughly. But come on, you got to still do your job. You know, if, if that's what you're being paid for, you need to actually like sit down, play the game, and not just. Like I said, not just copy people, but do it well if you're going to have to, you know, pull some stuff from other people. I mean, um, and in some instances, this guy was not even using his own gameplay recordings. He was lifting it from other YouTubers and passing that off as, hey, I've yeah, that's ridiculous. Game. Yeah, it, I mean, it's if you're going to say this is my gameplay and then have to blow up the video feed to hide that person's watermark out of the corner of the screen, that's bullshit. Like, come on. It's, it's just it's lazy and it's it's terrible. I think that's what pisses me off more is that he probably had the chance and the game and the time and he didn't just play it and record his own damn gameplay and just put out some blurb about if he liked it or not. I think that's what just drives me nuts. He needed another job because he wasn't into the one he had. Well, and it's like, you know he got a copy of the game. It's like, this is IGN we're talking about. People like want them to have their game, obviously just so that they can get a, a, a hopefully decent review. And it really sucks for Dead Cell. I, I haven't read the guy's review, um, but I, I did he give it a good score at least? Yeah. Well, yeah, it was good. I mean, the game's actually okay. got a great review. So, yeah, okay. I mean, obviously, the, I mean, the whole thing is it, it, it's fucked up and it's wrong. Um, but, I mean, it's hopefully this drives more people to buy the game. Um, just to show support, um, you know, somehow, like people tend to do. And, and I think it has. The guy. 
I mean, I've seen a lot of, I mean, this is kind of a small indie game, and I've seen a lot of people playing it and talking about it. So, I mean, in the end, it probably worked out really well for the game developer. But, I, I hope so. I, I, yeah. Really, yeah. I, I haven't played the game, but every review I read, because I actually started reading reviews about it to try to compare it to what this guy wrote. Or, and it's generally a very, very well thought of game. So I just, I hope it didn't sting that company at all. And maybe Pokey's, maybe right, Pokey. Maybe it did draw some attention to him in a good way, but I, I hope it didn't affect those guys. Yeah, because I mean, they, they certainly did nothing wrong. And I mean, I haven't played it either, but it looks fantastic. And in multiple sources have also said very good things about it. So, I mean, I, I don't think it'll do them any harm. And hopefully it does them a little bit of good. One thing to note, actually, however, is that IGN, I think, actually contacted um, Boomstick Gaming, the guy who wrote the original review, to basically discuss compensation because it was effectively him that wrote the review that they made money off of. So they're like, we should probably pay the guy who actually wrote this. So, you know, and, and his review was, was pretty solid. So, I mean, it, good on them for kind of reaching out and doing the due, due diligence of saying like, hey, this was really your work. We paid the wrong guy, but we'd like to do right and, and try to make it up to you for what happened. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so moving along here, I wanted to talk briefly about uh, some of the news coming out regarding Fallout 76. So I talked quite a bit about this when E3 uh, was rolling about, and this was, whole thing was revealed and kind of the controversy started. So to get everyone kind of caught up again, Fallout, the Fallout games are typically single-player experiences where it's a, you know open-world RPG, heavy RPG basis. Um, but Bethesda for Fallout 76 wanted to try something a little bit differently and make it multiplayer. The weird part, however, is that it was kind of this setup of, well, it's multiplayer and you're going to be placed in a world with other players and there's really no way to turn PvP off. It's not like a purely co-op experience. There can be, you know, player PvP. And, and that kind of wasn't really ringing with me because I the kind of game I wanted to play was more like Borderlands. It was like a four-person co-op post-apocalyptic, whatever. It sounds like this isn't what Fallout 76 is trying to be, which is fine. It may not be for me. I, I've pre-ordered the game, kind of waiting for the beta to kind of check it out, but they have released some more details regarding how the multiplayer is going to work. And I have to say, the more I hear about it, the less enthused I get, because the way that they're doing it is kind of clunky, I would say. So just kind of hear me out and kind of how weird this sounds. So you're in this world, there's other players, you can kind of cooperatively work with some, but if you run into somebody else, there is a chance that they may try to engage you and try to kill you, okay? So if they start attacking you, they don't do full damage, they do like partial damage because it's kind of like their way of trying to engage you. You can choose to ignore them or you can choose to fight back. And if you fight back, that kind of activates this like almost like a dual mechanic where you're both doing full damage and you're trying to have like this actual fight. But let's say you don't want to do that. You can ignore them, but it sounds like they can keep slowly damaging you over time and ultimately kill you. So if they kill you and you didn't engage in this, you know, um, opt-in PVP, they get this murderer status where they show up on the radar for everybody. And there's like a bounty on their head and people can then see them and hunt them down and kill them. And if they kill them, they get like a portion of their caps, which is the currency in game out of that murderer's bank account that goes to the person that killed it. Um, this smells a lot like division one dark zone, like first iteration. And it's really turning me off because I'm, I feel like it's almost like Bethesda's trying to have this like Eve online, like you're always in PVP mode but also trying to appeal to people like me who don't necessarily want to be forced into PvP 
and go, well, it's got some anti-griefing mechanics, but they can still grief you. And there's these drawbacks, which sounds good, but we've seen this done before, like I said, like division. And it just it didn't work well. And people have kind of you know, you know agreed that Division's Dark Zone in like the initial run was not good. And this sounds a lot like it. And it's just the more I hear about it, it's just kind of turning me off. It just sounds weird and clunky and not a very good design. Well, I don't understand what's so hard because I think we talked about this when we were, when we were talking about uh, WoW last week. I don't understand what's so hard about making a, a setting where you can either opt in for PvP or opt out and you can turn it on whenever you want. Um, I, I, I don't see what the problem, you know, with making something like that is. And I'm kind of sitting here scratching my head why Bethesda would force me into PvP and, you know, when I, I don't want it, that's not Fallout to me. Uh, and I, it, it really is turning me off um to this game to to feel like that i'm i'm being forced into something that that i don't feel fits or at least the mold that, that fallout is yeah i'm kind of in the same spot i'm not the type to get angry about it and be like you're ruining the fallout franchise i'm like you can make whatever the hell game you want that's fine it's just like it's unfortunate because I, I was really I would have always talked about loving the idea of like, hey, I can do like a four person co-op Fallout game. Same kind of mechanics as you're used to in Fallout, but it's just a purely cooperative experience. And I thought that I would have the option with this. And it really sounds like that's just not going to be there because they're pushing for this like always on PvP and then trying to put in some mechanics in there to I guess, protect people who don't want a PvP, but doesn't really ultimately do it because it's just going to end up with okay, I got killed and lost stuff. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to do it in the first place and I wish I could avoid it, but I can't. And it's like, I guess someone else can hunt this guy down or I can if I really want to, but I don't want a PvP. So it it doesn't really jive well with me. I feel like it's just kind of forced and I don't think it's going to work out well for them. No, I uh, don't think it will either. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the big thing is going to be October, right? When the beta comes out, because that's when people really get their hands on it and see how it all kind of fits together. I mean, it, I could be wrong. It could actually, for whatever reason, work out to be a really good system. But just hearing it on paper, I'm like, eh, I don't know. This isn't really this isn't working for me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think I think you guys are kind of hitting, hitting around it. But the for, for me, like, I know, like I have, a, I think, I think Fallout, or let me, let me rephrase this. Bethesda's done a really good job over the years, over many years, frankly, of getting people uh, sort of accustomed to what a Fallout game is. And, and good on them for that because their games have been extremely successful. That, the franchise from the very, very first Fallout, you know, PC game many moons ago till now, that's a very, that's a very, uh, successful franchise in a lot of different formats, but there's a lot of things that are that are pretty consistent throughout all of those games and all those different variants of it. So when they break really hard from that model, you know, I, I kind of have two minds of this. One, I, I give them credit for wanting to try something new. However, it's they should not be surprised if that plays absolutely against what brings people to their franchise. So th there's, there's kind of two schools of thought there. I, I, I am not interested in this game at all. Like 
not unless they show me something that is dramatically different than what they've described like E3 or kind of what I've been hearing. So, I mean, they would have to show me something that's like, oh, no, 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 I get it. I was totally mistaken about how this game works. But it's um, it just doesn't seem like a game for me right now because there's a lot of other games that will probably do this uh, and probably better than what they're describing. But again, hats off to him for trying something different with the franchise. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. Like, my brother is very, very excited for this, but I've told him, I'm like, I don't want to be negative with you, dude, but what I'm seeing so far, I mean, like, I'll, I'll keep it pre-ordered until past the beta because that's kind of how you get in the beta. So what I'm seeing so far, this isn't really something I want to play. And even recently, he's kind of had the wind taken out of his sails. Where he's like, Ugh, I don't know. Just some of the details coming out just aren't working for him. So... You know, I'll give it a shot to go through the playtest, but I'm really 50-50. I mean, if I'm not, if my opinion isn't completely turned around by that beta, I'm probably going to cancel on that pre-order because even if I'm still kind of like iffy about it, I've been iffy on games before and gotten really burned for it. And I just, I don't want to do it again. I don't want to take the time and the money and the investment to, to really play it and then just go, this sucks. You know, I, there's other stuff that I could be playing because there's tons of new games coming out soon and I'm not going to, get too heavily invested in this if I'm not completely sure about it, moving into it when it comes out. I think what they should have done is, I mean, uh, there's a reason that not a lot of games have always on PvP, right? Not a lot of games. You know, I, in this MMO, for, for lack of a better term, uh, since that I feel like 76 is going for, um, there is a reason that, you know, that people don't do that because it's really awkward and it alienates a lot of people from your game right off the get-go. In my opinion, what they probably should have done was they should have just made another single-player Fallout game. You know, if, if West Virginia is the world that they have for 76, that, that would be fine. And take the multiplayer out, bada-boom, bada-bang, there's your next Fallout game. And if they really still wanted to play with some sort of... Uh, multiplayer experience put it in uh, Starfield in their new upcoming RPG where you're not already heavily invested in the world and the mechanics of previous games and then see what happens from there with that kind of thing but that's just me I hear you man it's it's it is what it is right you know and yep. uh, we'll we'll see how it goes I mean I'll give it a fair shot for for the beta but you know, they've got some work to do to kind of win me back to this idea. And, and you know, I, I'm not, like I said, not the type to get angry about it and be like, hey, I'm I'm pissed off and I'm angry that this isn't like the next kind of Fallout game I was expecting. It's just, well, this one may not be the, the one that I want to play. Um, and that that is what it is. So we'll see. Um, I'll let you know in October when I give the beta a shot and, you know, it'll be good or bad. So we'll take a look at it then. Is that going to be PC only beta, or are they extending that beta to consoles? Do you know? Ooh, I'm not sure. I'll have to check on that for you. For you. All right. So moving on to some smaller items here. Uh, so Monster Hunter World. Um, nothing really new this week, but I did kind of want to bring up that the well, there's something new, I guess. So uh, Cool Taroth is back. That's kind of the big golden siege dragon that that comes up every few weeks or so. Uh, Capcom, I think, kind of noticed that as people were kind of getting the random item drops that come from it that the player counts were kind of dropping and it was difficult to get into it because you didn't have enough people actually participating. So what they've done is they've added uh, eight new um, uh, 
rank eight weapons to the drop list. So if you get in there, you can find some new stuff, um, new drops. Unfortunately, it's not replacing the old drops. It's just adding to the drop pool. So it's going to actually be a little bit harder to get some of these, unfortunately. But, you know, give it a shot if you're interested. There are some new stuff you can get from the Cool Taroth uh, Siege Quest. So uh, I got to get in there, give it a shot. This isn't like a temporary thing. I mean, the event will, will obviously end on the 23rd, I think, but it'll come back. So if you don't get the ones you want this time, you're still good. Just hit it up next time. So it should be interesting. Um, also, kind of an interesting thing that popped up regarding Monster Hunter World. So as you're probably aware, China can be very strict with what they allow into the country and, not, and whatnot. And Monster Hunter World was actually allowed to be sold in China. However, just this week, they've actually banned future sales of the game um, for some unknown reason. They haven't explicitly said why, but people are thinking that it might have to do with how corpses are actually, you know, displayed and presented in the game. Because obviously, you're killing things and there's bodies you're carving up. It's it's not grotesque in how it's presented, but it is, you know, is what it is, right? So we aren't really sure if that's the exact reason, but that's kind of what people are speculating on. So if you didn't already own the game in China, you unfortunately can no longer buy it. There's no word if that's going to be lifted with changes or if this is a permanent thing, but, you know, we'll have to see. I want to say that I think uh, Blizzard games, some of the skins that have skulls and stuff are modified for, for the Chinese market, something like that. That seems like that. a thing, yeah, that, if that I makes sense. Yeah, and the Chinese are not... I mean, it's one of the things where it's like killing animals, but when you're killing dragons, you know... I, I know it means probably nothing to us, but I think that's that was also something that someone brought up, the activist like cultural thing. No, I, I get that. That makes sense. I, I get mm-hmm. that. That makes sense. So the other thing that kind of came up uh, that I think we kind of saw coming from last week, there was kind of some early reports of it, but it is confirmed now that uh, Diablo 3 is going to be coming to the Nintendo Switch. So Switch continues to prove itself as being a very popular platform for companies to kind of port um, not necessarily the newest games, like there certainly are some new games that are coming out like on PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch, but you're also seeing kind of the surge of older games coming to the Switch. And I think the Switch kind of offers an interesting interesting perspective because a lot of these games, while they're not like current this-gen run of games, like Diablo 3 is actually a pretty, pretty old game by, by right now, but it is kind of this like, we've got this game that's been traditionally PC and console, you played it at home, but now we have this opportunity to take it and put it on a mobile platform that, you know, people may really like and may actually really latch on to. And I think it it gives developers kind of a new perspective of, hey, we can actually take a game that was always traditionally a home-based game and make it mobile with the Switch. And that's why I think we've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of titles flocking to the Switch. And you never really saw that before with Nintendo. I mean, they've always had their mobiles, but they were too weak to really ever handle the kind of games that that you'd see on console normally without massive changes to port them. But, you know, with the Switch, it can handle a lot of the older stuff. I mean, geez, like Doom 2016 runs on the Switch, and that game is a technical masterpiece if you really look at it for consoles. Like, it runs way better than it has any right to on a console, and they got it to work on the Switch, too. So, I mean, it's got some beef, and it's got some flexibility, and it's really good to kind of see some of these classic games, you know, coming over to the Switch and, and giving me kind of a new breath of life. So... Like I said, uh, Diablo 3, it's Nintendo Switch. We don't know what date it's going to be, but it is the Eternal Edition, so it's going to have basically all the DLC up until this point, which is actually quite a bit of content. Blizzard has done a really good job at supporting Diablo 3, so it's good to see. Um, I've played Diablo 3, like, to death, so not going to probably grab this one, but it is a very good game, Um, and if you've never played it before and have a Switch, it's actually probably worth checking out. 
another bit of news uh, that, that made me a little sad. So um, speaking of Doom, I, I was a huge fan of Doom 2016. It was a fantastic game. I've I've harped about it many times. Uh, so Doom Eternal was, of course, a big, exciting bit that, that came out. However, sadly, the snap map feature of Doom 2016 will not be transitioning over to Doom Eternal. So snap map was kind of the map building editor where you could, you know, snap together kind of these different rooms and, and lock them together. And then you had this like visual programming thing you could do where you could build logic into it. You could make, you know, various things happen. And I actually played with it a lot. Uh, managed to crash my PS4 like repeatedly with it because of the stuff I was trying to do. But it was a very powerful tool and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, unfortunately, I don't think they've deemed it to be as popular as necessary for it to make its way into the next game in the iteration. So, yeah. Basically, because Pokey is and, an and I build furniture game. for fun. And, and when they design, right, right, like so, what happened here is it was a good, it was a good game mechanic for people like Pokey, and people like Pokey do not buy enough games. That's, that's the thing, you know. If, if they had released DLC for Snap Map, I would have been all over it. But they only released DLC for the multiplayer, and then gave the elements in the multiplayer DLC to Snap Map people for free. So I was like, I, I want to give you money. Stop giving me all the free stuff. Um, and they, they could have made a lot of a lot of money off of me, but they didn't do it. So uh, I guess that sucks for them. But uh, I really enjoyed it. But unfortunately, we'll be making it into the next title. So instead of that, they are going to be offering some, I guess, enhanced multiplayer stuff. Um, I have zero interest in Doom multiplayer whatsoever. I do it entirely for kind of the, the PvE story stuff or the snap map. But whatever, I'll still pick it up. The story will be great. The gameplay we saw at QuakeCon was fantastic, so I'm I'm still very hyped for this one, even if they're taking out uh, my favorite game mode. On that note, however, they have said that they do have planned story DLC for the game. So Doom 2016 didn't have any story DLC, which I think a lot of people really wanted because it was really good. Um, Snap Map, I think, was kind of their way of hoping to inject content that would be ongoing, but I'll be honest, most of the content in Snap Map that players made was really bad, so... I think they said, okay, you know, we can't trust you to actually make good levels, so we'll do it for you and, and sell it to you. So you can expect some story DLC for Doom Eternal, so that should be pretty good. I'm looking forward to it. Another cool thing that we kind of spotted just uh, earlier today. So, uh, Jay, have you seen anything about this new PS4 Pro, the, like, translucent blue one? Uh, very briefly. It was. It's on my list of, you know, my magical yellow legal pad of things to look up <laughs> on the interwebs. Uh, so I am aware of it, but I know very little about it. Now, my understanding is uh, it's, it's more than, expensive. As yeah, that. it's more than cosmetic. I think it's it's like a uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's got a little bit more oomph to it than the normal PS4 Pro, right? I think it's got more memory, more more storage. Yeah, honestly, more processing power. Storage, thank you. Yeah, I, I mean the the short answer is I I. I, I don't really see the need to go get a rush out and go get a, uh, a pro. Uh, you know, my PS4, which is relatively old, uh, still chugs along and plays pretty much everything out there. I mean, it flew through, it, no problem with something like God of War, which is probably visually maybe in the most impressive game that I've seen, you know, on a console in a long time. Am I getting the same frames out of a pro? Probably not. Certainly not. Is it approaching PC? No. Does my shit chug really bad during escalation protocol or something like that when you got nine guardians dropping supers on a on a boss? Yes. But um, it, I've I've not 
quite seen enough that it makes me want to go out and basically get the, a, a PS4.5, um, which kind of leads you down the road of like when when would one expect the next gen console to, to be unveiled? I actually think we'll hear about it formally in the 2019 E3. That's my call right now. Is, is you'll actually hear some hear some actual somebody on the stage talking about whatever the real next gen console is going to be at, at around that point. Yeah, I mean the pro the pro is difficult to justify. I think for a lot of people, just because um, you know it is it is still going to be a five hundred dollar price tag. It, it's pretty high up there. Um, for example, like Livy though, her her PS4 was dying, so it kind of made sense for her to get one. And it's it's a really nice thing to have. It's difficult to say it's worth upgrading just off of a whim. So I mean, if you're you're lose if you're got a dying console and you have to replace it, I'd say it's worth it. But if you have one that's working just fine, like in your case, Jay. Um, it does add to it, but it's not enough to really, you know, break the need to go and, and replace a perfectly good console. But yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's a great like if, if for whatever reason I get you know I get the red light or something on, on my on my PS4 or you know if something happens to it, I like I would replace it with a PS4 Pro just just out of GPS. But uh, yeah, there's there's nothing that's groundbreaking that's going to make me change it out. But that's that's a good way to look at it. Is like certainly if you're going to replace it, unless you just wanted to go with a super value value move and go down to like your local GameStop and get like a a, a used PS4 uh, for basically nothing. Uh, that you know, if I wanted to just kind of continue, uh, you know, some high quality games and stuff like that, I'd probably you know push forward with a, a pro model. Yeah, so I mean, this and there's a bunch of special edition ones coming out soon. So this by far isn't the only one you can get. Um, but this one is; it does look pretty cool. So basically, it's meant to commemorate 500 million PlayStation units being sold. Um, I think throughout the lifetime of, of Sony selling them. So I mean, it's <laughs> they've sold a lot of them, and it's kind of a limited edition thing. It's only 50,000 units being made, so it's actually a pretty small pool. Like you said, it's a PS4 Pro. It costs $500. Um, but then the neat part is, is that it's actually, instead of like the traditional like white or black um, plastic, opaque plastic, it's actually like a dark navy blue and it's semi-translucent. So you can actually see inside of the console because um, it's partially transparent. So it, it looks really cool. Um, I suspect because due to the limited selling, the limited nature of these being sold, you're going to have scalpers up the wazoo buying these things up and selling them for exorbitant prices on ebay so i mean it's being priced retail at the normal price for ps4 pro but i imagine they're going to be a little bit harder to get than what you're used to and if you really want one you're probably paying quite a bit more so it's cool but so 500 was the original retail of the ps4 pro then okay because i mean i depending on sales like i've seen ps4 pros i think as low as like what 350 400 uh, maybe a really good sale well, yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing is, like, this stuff's been out a while, like, last Black Friday, you know, was PS4 Pro was pretty easy to pick up for, I want to say, 350 So, you're gonna be, you know, you're, you're still paying a pretty big premium compared to what you should be able to get a hold of a PS4 Pro for. Yeah, I'm looking around, and I can see what you're talking about, Zell, because depending on where you go, the price does vary significantly. <clears throat> so, like, on Amazon, it's it's 515 a- right now. But on Newegg, I'm seeing the same thing for 400. So I, I can imagine 350 is is reasonable on sale, depending on where you're getting it from. Yeah, and and you got some big sales coming up too. Is is you got um, Labor Day is usually a pretty big big sale day, and we're we're not all that far out from Black Friday either. So 
I, I don't know. Like, I feel like for the age of the PS4 Pro at this point, setting it at 500 is... is well, and it's also the exclusive nature know. of it. They know they can set it at the full 500 because people will pay for the exclusive have you, version. Have you, guys, have you guys actually played on a PS4 Pro and kind of done a, a comparison? Livy and I have. She she plays on it every day. Um, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, you can tell. I mean, you can't. I mean, don't get me wrong. You you can tell the difference. Like if you've got a really, if you've got a, one of the more demanding games, you know, like I said, something with a whole lot of lot of stuff going on on the screen. Uh, it you you can you know there's a difference. Uh, it is not. But again, it's not enough to for for me. You know, from a performance standpoint, to drive me to go get you know, to go rush out and get one, but it's, it's, you know, it's definitely an upgrade. I mean, I, I will give them that. Yeah. At this point, it's kind of one of those nice. Yeah. Tabs that's a great one. Everyone has, has, has a list. Um, sorry, dev world. <laughs> but, you know, I do notice when, you know, Dante's say complaining about all the you know, enemies on the screen during a destiny fight. I'm like, what are you talking about? So there's that, that slight, you know, performance bump, but I mean, I will play my other one if it doesn't die, and there's a lot of things I don't notice except for the graphics. So, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll see a definite bump, and usually what you get is you can pick between either a higher frame rate or a higher resolution. Um, and depending on the game, you might pick one versus the other. Um, for like when we did like the God of War recordings, we decided to go for the higher frame rate because it can record in 4K, but most people can't actually see 4K. So, for kind of general user consumption, we decided to go with the higher frame rate, and it, it looks damn good. Um, but it's certainly not going to be like what you're thinking, like the jump between like a PS3 and a PS4. It's not even close to that. It's more of a, it's it's nice, um, but not worth going out and buying just for that. But if you have the opportunity to buy one, it's it's worth picking this one up, even if you are paying a little bit more because the normal PS4s are, I think they float from like 300 to 350. Um, it's probably worth the small price hike to get the better version. Um, but you know, I wouldn't go too crazy with it. I, I want to say for a normal PS4, you shouldn't be paying more than 300 And I know that I've gotten, and this is again, going back to Black Friday. Black Friday, I think I got one for 250 with a $50 yeah. like gift card. Black Friday sales are amazing. So again, like if you're waiting for the, like if, if you're not, like if you need one right now, sure. Otherwise, seriously, wait, because the, those like those retail prices yeah. are really high compared to especially what you this get time at the of right year. Time. You know, like you said, Black Friday is really not that far away. Labor Day, you can usually get a couple good deals. Mm-hmm. And Labor Day is in a couple weeks, and and should should be probably something. Yeah, I mean, Black Friday is pretty much like Black Month now. I mean, you get deals for weeks afterwards. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even bother going out in doing the like one a.m. crazy wait in line crap anymore. It's like. It's not even like wait for Monday. It's like you'll have deals pretty much up through Christmas at this point on, on stuff being marked down. So, you know, you'll have opportunities. Just keep an eye out. And, you know, if you can get one for like 350 for a pro, that's actually a pretty good deal. It's, it's definitely worth the 350 price tag if you can get it for that. Okay, moving along. So up uh, just briefly, uh, I kind of wanted to, to give an update on, on my reintegration into the Destiny 2 uh, franchise. Uh, Livy and I have successfully completed the Solstice of Heroes and gotten our level 400 armor. Um, honestly, the grind wasn't as bad as the news outlets make you, make it seem like. It, it's it's probably like 10 hours of work, like just from where we were. The, the grind is bad when you try to. Oh do yeah, all for characters. sure. Like I, I'm not even attempting that. But like just for one character to get like your one main up to like 400, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, it's pretty pretty legit. And the craziest part was like, okay, I've got like. 
I get the jump to 400 armor, and then I'm like, oh, a new weapon drop, and it's a blue, and I'm like, oh, that's 35 light levels higher than what I currently have. I guess I'll infuse that. Um, it, it really does help kind of catapult you up to, you know, getting really close to that 400 level. So it, it, it does a really good job of getting you caught up. Um, like I said, for someone who was out of the series for months, um, coming back, it wasn't that big of an investment just to get one character up. So definitely worth it. It was a good experience. Um, kind of got to see a little bit of everything they were working on. I actually unlocked the t-shirt yesterday. I might pick that up. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty legit. Like I was like, uh, yeah, that's neat. And I looked it up online. I'm like, actually, that's pretty classy. So I might pick that one up. That looks pretty neat. And um, no, it was it was a good experience. I liked it. And, you know, with forsaken creeping up on me and realizing that it's like two weeks away i was like oh shit well i guess we're just in time here so um it was good um and this week we were trying the iron banner for the first time i hadn't played it in this season for the first time um jay the the changes to the control game mode is that just this iteration have they been doing that all season long no that that is that is fresh hot here this what do you think of that uh I like it a lot. Uh, it definitely changes. So, so basically, Iron Banner traditionally kind of runs off of the the control game game mode, which is uh, sort of your classic objective based uh, game. With what they've changed, basically, instead of going in and capping a point, you usually have three points on a map. Um, when you get a power play, so basically, the more zones you control, the more your each individual kill nets you for points. Um, and when you get a power play, when you control all three zones, every kill that your team scores is worth three points, which you know very quickly can you know can can push you well in front of another team or get you caught up very quickly. Well, so what they changed up was when you cap all three points and you get a power play, they lock the points for thirty seconds. Uh, so basically, nothing can flip for thirty seconds, and then you own the map. And everything you do in 30 seconds, if you just go slay out, you're you're gonna you you have the potential to rack up a massive lead. And then conversely, at the end of that 30 seconds, everything resets to neutral, which very quickly lets the other team, if they have their kind of have their business together, they can potentially try to they, they, the pressure's on them to recap and and really get another power play in. Uh, it's pretty cool, and there's like some neat. Uh, visual things they've changed instead of just having like a little circle you go into and like a little flag there's like a big um, this kind of thematic iron banner uh, you know like sort of fire pit like chimney a fire pit that's in the middle now which look it visually looks really cool uh, doesn't do anything to impede the gameplay there's some neat auditory things every team, time you get a power play if you hear in the background you hear like a, like a pack of wolves howling it's, you know it's really kind of cool uh, but it does change the gameplay in a, a very subtle but noticeable way, and I like it a lot. Like, generally, most people I've talked to when we play, we, 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 like, this, we like this a lot. And it does set Iron Banner apart from the normal quick play control um, kind of playlist stuff that you get in normal Crucible. So I, 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 des- I really hope they keep it, and actually I hope they keep it kind of exclusive to Iron Banner. Uh, but it's pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, no, it definitely changes things up. I just wish that the randoms were a little bit smarter and with what they did when um, the power play, when like the enemy power play activated, instead of you know rushing to their desk, they actually spread out and got prepared to recap the points. But it, that's always a mess. But you know, it, it does definitely change it up. And like you said, I like the fact that 
you know, they, they originally kind of got rid of the whole power level matters in Iron Banner, and it, it really wasn't that different from anything else, but this kind of gives it the same game mode, but a unique twist on it, and I think that that is really what it needed to make it feel truly different, as opposed to just, it's Crucible, but with some different rewards. So, in that regard, I think it's been very successful. Oh, but, oh, but wait, there's more. Uh, so, to your point, uh, the next season of Iron Banner after Forsaken drops, power power level differences are now a Ooh. thing again. That was one of the big releases. So the so the the, the TWAB or the this week at Bungie, if you will, uh, when it came out this week, they, they are dropping bombs every week. We I actually thought this was going to be a hey, we're going to see you at European Games Con and uh, you're looking forward to Forsaken in a couple weeks, and that was it. But they dropped a heavy every week. They are dropping bombs on what is to be expected in Forsaken. And this one was a crucible heavy one. Iron Banner, when it comes back, it is going to be uh, power level differences are, are, are reinstated, basically, uh, which is, is going to be significant. Uh, and it, it, will, it will definitely be a thing. One thing that is different if you've been playing Iron Banner, so uh, you guys probably didn't notice this, but there's a, there's a big swing in how matchmaking works. Uh, Iron Banner is considered a, a weekly or a, like a rotational event. So that is skill-based matchmaking. Uh, that did not change. Skill-based ma- matchmaking is still a thing in that and in trials. In quick play, which is you know, basically what the majority of people play, that is connection-based matchmaking, which means you could have a stomp fest on one side or the other. I mean, it's it's... I have a lot of beefs with how it kind of works out. You know, it's it's only a place to rest if you are a really good player and you get thrown in against randoms or an unstacked team and you can you smash people. Um, but with skill-based matchmaking in Iron Banner, it's definitely a, a little, you know, it's a little sharper in terms of how you play. It's noticeable. Uh, but in quick play, it's definitely a much bigger span of what you could experience in a given match. Uh, so... There's a lot of news coming out about how they're doing the PvP stuff here in Forsaken. But, uh, yeah, Iron Banner, always one of my favorite game modes. Uh, you know, And that was one of the big faults with Destiny 2 in this first year is everything was simply just too homogenous. But uh, going forward in, into Forsaken, there's going to be big changes in pretty much every facet of the game to bring it more back into like a, a basically an iteration beyond what year three destiny one was. Uh, so I, I, I think crucible is definitely getting the same treatment that the sandbox, the PVE sandbox is getting. Uh, so again, looks good so far. No, I would agree. And I think that um, the changes they've recently made between when I left and coming back to the crucible in general, um, it makes it much more enjoyable. I'm having a lot more fun with it. I like the more chaotic 66, um, game mode and i think that the changes to iron banner are, are also very solid so good on them for really kind of turning that around and making it a little more interesting and it was it was good to kind of see iron banner truly kind of have a you a unique identity in in how it actually plays opposed to more of the same so i'm i'm, I'm really good and I'm, I'm i'm glad to see that happening yeah so i i just briefly uh, a couple things uh you, you, I'm not sure if you're aware of it. You, do you know what Redrix's Gamora is? It's a it's a like a pinnacle award for uh, the Crucible this is year. Is that the the gun you get for getting like a really high rank in the competitive one? Okay. Yeah, it's it is a it's basically a pulse rifle that has um, a very unique stack of perks on it. Uh, that when the perks proc, it, it's it's potentially the the 
the best non-exotic, you know, rifle in the game, certainly pulse rifle in the game. I mean, it's, it's, it, it wrecks, um, in terms of the perks, it stacks Outlaw, Desperado, and it's got really, really good base stats, uh, your base stats rather. So, uh, if you notice, like a, a couple of weeks ago in the, in the, in the TWAB, they talked about like uh, just random numbers for what's happened over the course of the year in Destiny. Let me put it this way uh, a week ago, there were somewhere around 1.3 million unique players on in a given day. That by the way, tells you a lot about where Destiny is right now this month versus like six or nine months ago, which was like a couple hundred thousand, maybe on a really, really good day, like a really good day. Like it's actually like lower and look average a lot lower than that. So it was hitting around 1.3 million. Only 8,500 people had earned the Redrix's Claymore uh, to up to two weeks ago or about a week and a half ago. Put that in comparison. So that kind of tells you what I mean by a pinnacle award. So that, you know, one of the beefs is that that was much lower than what Bungie wanted. Uh, and because it was tied to the competitive playlist, which frankly, competitive playlist was shit. It was not fun. Uh, and it's getting a massive rework in Forsaken in terms of what, what game modes are in the competitive playlist. Um, and it was pretty much a ghost town. Pretty much everybody plays played Quick Play and Iron Banner. Um so they've, they've basically said, okay, we're retiring the Redrix's Claymore, but in Forsaken in Season 4, you're going to get the Redrix's Broadsword, which is a companion weapon. It's basically the same gun, but it's a random, but it has some random rolls involved in it. Uh, that, a little bit of a, a beef, you know, because it's like, hey, that's not what you said it was going to be. You know, it's a little bit of a smash and grab, you know, kind of thing. But it's tied to a Crucible quest. It's like a very long list of quests. I think Solstice Armor type activities that you have to do, but all crucible centric. But I'll tell you the grind to get it. I mean, you got to focus for an entire season on that to get that gun. So it's, again, it's a pretty serious grind to get it, but it won't be nearly as bad as the, the Redrick's Claymore grind. So there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, brouhaha about that. But again, you're talking about something that's, that's, you know, there's, you know, maybe, maybe it might, might be 9,000 people out of a million plus that get that weapon by the end, by, by the time Forsaken drops. So that's how hard it is to get. Um, so that was a little bit of the news, but anyway, a couple things. Trials, uh, which is their high, in theory, supposed to be the high-end competitive play, like their, their most elite level play. That is being retired for part of season four, which again, is only going to last about three months through four months. So about around Christmas time, when that comes back, you're probably going to see trials again. Because that that was not as good as it was in Destiny One, so they're retiring that to work on it for this one season. So it's, when I say season, by the way, that's not the entire year Forsaken. That's literally about a three or four month window. Um, so in season four, which is basically the opening phase of Forsaken, that they're going to retire that, and they're going to retire faction rallies, or basically put them on hiatus to rework them to take in, uh, community feedback and apply them to those two events, those two kind of episodic events. Which again, you know, usually when people take content out, there's kind of some, some, you know, some brouhaha about that. Absolutely not the case. The community is very much on board with the fact that they're telling them up front, like, hey, we heard what your beefs are about these, these kind of events. We're taking them, we're gonna, we're gonna take them down for about, you know, basically three or four months, and we're gonna rework them ground up and we're going to put them back in the game. We appreciate your feedback. Here's and they kind of shared some of their goals for the for those events.
went well. Uh, so that probably tells you a lot about the cachet that Bungie is making with their community right now. They, they are absolutely re-swinging the ship around on Destiny 2, 100%. They are going 180 degrees different in the, in the positive end of the direction right now with their community. Um, some other crucible things that are changing. There, there, you know, some minor tweaks to how things are going to work. A lot of news about Gambit. There's, it's going to have its own sort of uh, ranking system called Infamy, uh, as opposed to Glory and Valor that you get out, or, or Valor is in the, the uh, Quick Play playlist or the Social playlist, if you will, and then uh, Glory is the competitive playlist. Uh, you're, then you have Infamy for Gambit, and they kind of laid out how the, that award structure is going to work. And it's going to have, and everything now is going to have unique armor and weapons awards. Everything's going to have unique bounties. Uh, they're getting away from the token system almost entirely, which is kind of a universal thing throughout Destiny 2 right now. A lot of the token stuff is flat-ass going away. Uh, and it's going to be more in the terms of bounties and planetary materials. Now, it's not going to be planetary materials like you remember collecting spin metal for days in D1. Basically, the rewards you get for bounties will be in the form of bright dust and planetary materials that are used to, or a variety of different type of materials that are used to upgrade your gear. Um, and there's a lot of discussion that the model that you're going through with the Solstice Armor stuff, you're going to see that a lot more in Forsaken with certain different types of sets of, of gear Certainly the raid gear or the, the Dreaming City gear is, is going to follow a Solstice Armor-like model. Uh, there's some things that got released, like so the Ace of Spades, which, you know, that's the, the very iconic hand cannon that Cade 6 uses um, that you do get from Aldrin, by the way. It was released that you will get to get it from Aldrin. It does not indicate whether you pry it from his cold dead hands or how you get it from him, but you're going to get a, a broken and destroyed version of uh, the Ace of Spades from Aldrin, and then you have to go through a very uh, extensive quest, uh, series of quest steps to bring it back up to its exotic form. So I, I think that's awesome. So there's a, you know there's a lot of things in terms of the economy of game that they you know, the economy of the game, and then a lot of how the crucible system is working, or the PV, PvP systems are working that they've kind of updated. Uh, so pretty much every phase of of the game is getting. A pretty heavy hand touch and for what everybody can tell right now it, I would say conservatively I've seen 90% positive reaction to, to to be up front with you which surprises the shit out of me um, and I've got one sort of semi spoiler thing I'll share with you guys about uh, kind of the raid here in a minute after if you guys have any reaction or comments but I, I'm really curious from Livy and Pokey you know what do you think about Destiny now? Like, if you just kind of took the snapshot of your last experience for the last couple of weeks, what do you think about, you know, what you hear is coming forward in Forsaken? What do you, are you guys interested in the games that got its hooks in, or are you still kind of in a wait-and-see mode? No, I think it's fair to say that I'm, I'm much more interested than I was before. I think that, in particular, the most recent stuff, like the Solstice of Heroes, what it what it showed me was, Hey, we're going to give you tangible rewards you can actively work towards in like a quest system, and that can be a long format thing that you're constantly working towards. That's what I was craving, and what D1, or sorry, D2 wasn't giving me initially. And if that's the path that they're taking moving forward, I'm all in on that. I really like that. Um, if we get more of what we've had in the most recent, you know, couple of weeks, I'm I'm very excited for what they have to offer. 
I agree with that. It's nice to be kept busy, uh, not doing the same same missions every day or same type of stuff every day. Um, I'm the kind of person who, if I don't want to do it, I want to ignore it. And so <laughs> a lot of this stuff, I'm like, nah, I don't want that. So I, can, I don't have to bother with it. But I like that. I like being busy, but choosing what I want to be busy with to progress how I want to. Yeah. And on no, that I'm point, I, I actually really like the, the Redux missions they did for the story stuff where they kind of remixed the story stuff. So the same mission, but different things that happen inside of it. Um, that was great. That was a good way to kind of recycle the old content, but keep it yeah, and that's, something exciting. It's definitely, it's definitely on, on heroic mode, too. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you had to be real careful. Yeah, I, I, there's just... That, the cool thing about this is they did a very subtle but pretty noticeable kind of touch on, you know, this works a lot better when you're in a fire team. You know, pretty much everything. Everything worked better in a fire team. The... Uh, what, you know, I think I think you guys hit a, hit the nail on the head, and again, I think the Solstice of Throws was a soft beta for a lot of the tonal things you're going to see in Forsaken, where there's a, a a deep grind, but you feel like every time you log in and do something, you are making progress on something. There, there will always be something that you are moving a bar on or checking a box off of in a meaningful way, and I don't I don't mind you know, grinding public strikes or you know, heroic strikes rather or crucible or whatever. If I know that I am making tangible progress on something that I want. Uh, so I, I think, I think Bungie is definitely in a strong position right now going into forsaken and, and, and this, you know, who knows? I mean, crazy Ivan may happen and, and it just tanks and nothing's like what we thought it was going to be. But right now, everything I'm seeing uh, and everything I'm hearing from people that have played Gambit, uh, a lot of people have played Gambit by this point, like you know, kind of beta versions at all the different conventions they've been going to. That is getting absolutely rave reviews, and I am certainly looking forward to hitting that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty psyched about this. So, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to move into a semi-spoiler part. Uh, it's, it's, I say semi-spoiler only because it, it is popping on the news in the last probably 36 hours, 48 hours. Uh, it is definitely like run, running pretty pretty fast and hard on the internet right now. So it's it's only spoilers for a little bit longer, but it's it's pretty interesting in terms of some of the insights in terms of some of the in game stuff that we're going. I won't spoil it a whole lot of um, like uh, lore stuff or anything like that for you if you're into that. But there's some neat stuff about the Dreaming City you guys may want to know. So long story short, uh, if you are have looked into the Destiny lore at all, you know that there's a lot of different things about uh, dragons in the game. The I'm Carl. There's a lot of different, a lot of different stuff in the game about that. There are very strong indications that we're going to get to engage one of those as part of the end game. Uh, so I'm not going to go too much further than that, but I will tell you that that has got a lot of people super excited. Uh, they've released a couple other things, a couple other screenshots about uh, how the different armor looks, uh, some of the lore tabs and things like that. These are like semi-official releases from Bungie. I, I got to tell you, just visually and graphically and kind of how the armor looks and, and how the story looks like it's unfolding, this has the potential to be pretty badass. Uh, and they did go out of their way to describe that they have a lot of things in the game now, in the in-game area. The entire map is basically the size of the EDZ, and that is the in-game area. It's not just a single raid layer or raid point. It's an entire 
like one of the larger like worlds, if you will, or areas of Destiny 2 that's about the size of the Dreaming City. So it gives you a lot to explore. There's apparently a ton of different hidden areas um, and kind of secrets to, un to, to unpack. So it gives solo players something to do, teams something to do beyond just the, the actual quote-unquote in-game raid pieces that they're going to have. But there's a, there's a ton of stuff that they're dropping uh, right now or hints that they're dropping that look phenomenal. Uh, and so I would like right now to extract a promise from Pokey and Livy that you guys will at least attempt to do the raids with me, the in-game content with me and Forsaken. Can we get a public and Can we recorded get a public? statement from both of you that you will commit to this? Public. We will try. Is it, is it six-man content? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. We'll get Dante so, so in. The final raid so is, we'll but four. you can do any of the other, other, other pieces. So they actually have an arena mode kind of similar to prison of elders or escalation protocol uh called the uh the blind well that uh that i believe you don't need six people for but uh okay it also has matchmaking so if we go in with a team of like i don't know like four or five or something like that and i can lfg and pull somebody else in so i i would like to, to be noted on this date and time on the 19th of august of 2018 the year of our lord bun jesus that uh you guys have promised to do in-game content, content in Forsaken with me. Thank you. I will. I will give you my word that we will do the the Dreaming City in Forsaken Destiny Two. Oh, this this should be fun. <laughs> should be good. I haven't done raiding in a very long time, so we'll see how badly. <laughs> if it'll be like about six hours in, Jay's like, you know what, guys, it's you know, it's okay. I'm not going to hold you to it. You know, you gave it a good shot. We're we're done here. You can well, leave. well, for the record, <laughs> I, I what they are also. So you guys just your you're tracking the power level is moving to 600 so the day forsaken drops the power level is 600 if that that should probably tell they also made it very clear that they do not expect there to be a world's first race in the in-game raid for a while uh like at least a, few, a couple three weeks probably uh you know that's that's just people grinding hard to get to the appropriate light level or power level and oh by the way you have to find the raid too that's that's the other tricky tricky spot that uh, you got to find all these spots. So it, there's no rush, but I, I think it will be fun. But I definitely think that we should um, put a save the date on the calendar that we need to go into a Twitch stream and a Let's Play for Gambit. Uh, we can get the three of us. We can oh, add, yeah. add Dante in it. Uh, you feel free to mute his mic if you want. But we can uh, we can hop in and probably run a Gambit game. Uh, for a couple hours, which again, by all intent, by all feedback, is supposed to be pretty awesome. Yeah, that one I'm I'm pretty hyped for. I mean, that's that's kind of like you know that whole PVEVP thing that people always talked about for other other games. Like that's that's what this is, and that looks really exciting. And if they can get it to work right, I'm really looking forward to it because I always like that that mix when it works. Yep. So that's our this week at Bungie update. Sounds good. All right, guys, I think we were going to kind of go over some of the games we were looking forward to um, in the coming months, but we are getting kind of long on time, so I might solve that one for later. Is there anything else you guys wanted to cover real quick before we wrap this one up? For Honor, not very fun. Uh, it was free. Um, it's free for the next month, so into the 15th of September um, for Xbox. I downloaded it, and I've played, I think, about six hours of it. It's just not my kind of game, I don't think. 
Yeah, that one didn't grab me too tightly, and with all the server issues initially, I just didn't bother trying. So, you know, it was okay. So, yep, having good fun with Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, that's like that. That has definitely become. That went from a a almost basically a mass release beta to one of the most popular you know competitive PvP games in the world. So Ubisoft has done great with that. Uh, For Honor actually. Uh, is way better now than when it first came out. And, and bait, I totally see where you're coming from. I, I, it's not my kind of game, can't, kind of game either, but I can 100% understand why they have a, a pretty staunch fan base. It's a pretty deep game, and you got, you got to really get into it to play it. It looks cool. I mean, it's it's a neat-looking game, but it's like I'm kind of with you. It's just not my style of gameplay, but I totally understand why people like it. Uh, but they've definitely improved. But again, standard Ubisoft format. They release a game and they don't give up on it and they fight through it and it, it's you know from what I can tell uh, it's a lot better. I did like a demo of it. It is definitely a lot better than it was when it first came out uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot of good uh, good vibes for for what Ubisoft has done with it. Uh, it it kind of makes you you look at uh, some unnamed developers that sound a lot like uh, Schmioware. That may or may not have like uh, you know dunked on some of their their classic titles like you know Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, and didn't fight through and make the game better, uh, which would you know, but Ubisoft t- tip of the hat to them. Yeah, they've done good work lately, so I got to give them props where it's due. All right, guys, then we're gonna wrap that one up. Uh, let's do some quick shoutouts before we kind of close this out. So let me pull up my note here, Austin. Okay, so my shoutout this week goes to um, Uncho Ishiz. Ishizuka, I apologize for butchering that. Um, so he was the Japanese voice actor for Professor Oak in the uh, Pokemon animated series. He unfortunately passed away this week. I didn't ever watch Pokemon in Japanese, but as a kid, that was like the thing I grew up with. So the shout out kind of goes to everyone out there who did, you know, watch Pokemon as a kid, and particularly those Japanese viewers. Um, the terrible loss, and unfortunately he passed away, but uh, shout out goes to them. So Zell, you're up. I don't have a particular thing to shout out Doctor. to this week. I am I'm sorry. surprised. This is my surprised face. All right, Bait, you're up. Salvage it. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, so you know how when you go to the gas pump and you're all, you always got to worry about whether or not your card is going to be stolen when you swipe it in the pump instead of being a, a smart person and going inside? Well, I went to the pump earlier this week and i realized that the uh i guess it was it was a kangaroo station right had put a little device on their thing that allowed me to use my google pay from my google phone and pay for my gas that way instead of like put my card into the thing that you don't know what they've done to the uh to the reader so that was really cool so shout out to kangaroo that's pretty sweet all right livy you're up all right, so my shout-out goes to uh, kind of like a reverse shout-out, kind of like a shame-on-you shout-out, uh, to the former librarian in Utah who thought that he could get away with spending about $89,000 in public money on a mobile what? app called Game of War. <laughs> Way to go. Yep. He uh, spent about eighty-nine, yeah, $89,000 buying Amazon cards and like iTunes card to uh, get consumables in the game. I mean, he... It was even items in the game, you know, trying to do some research that you don't even keep. So, yeah. They didn't give a time period, uh, how long it took for him to spend that much money, but, you know. No amount of time. 
can only imagine. It didn't take long. <laughs> All right, NJ, you are up. Uh, so now that I've, uh, you know, so I live up in Detroit, so this kind of uh, hit our news up here regionally quite a bit. Uh, Aretha Franklin, or, or she has passed away, so uh, the Queen of Soul, uh, that was a big thing up here in Detroit uh, when she passed away this week. Uh, that was definitely all over the news. So kind of shout out to her. Uh, iconic musician by anybody's standard. Uh, so just wanted to point that one out. And it's kind of a little bit of a sad shout out, but it's definitely worth worth pitching in. Um, and then I'd also like to give a quick shout out to uh, the city of Royal Oak, Michigan, which is kind of where I live. It's basically a suburb of Detroit. Um, very, very happening, kind of very hipster sort of place. Uh, Pokey, you, you and Livy would feel great here, by the way. Uh, so a lot of people walk around in skinny jeans with man buns, drinking like cold press lattes and shit like that. Uh, but, uh, they had the screw, they had this thing called the, uh, the Woodward dream, dream cruise. It's basically kind of like the Sturgis bike rally, but for muscle cars and classic cars, uh, here in Detroit, I, I, I'd never heard of that. It's not a big thing for me, but it's right next to my house. It's literally like, like a less than a block away from my house is Woodward Avenue or Woodward road where, uh, where this big, you know, sort of car rally goes. Uh, for a couple days, that was a, a really, really neat time. Uh, I got to tell you guys, shout out to the city of Detroit. This is a, a uh, surprisingly awesome city. It is not what I thought it was going to be when I moved up here. Uh, and, little thi- and little things, quote unquote, little things like uh, that rally. There's something going on here all the time in Detroit. This is a, this is a very tight-knit city, great culture. So uh, really tough as nails, big blue collar. Uh, kind of attitude like you can imagine coming out of Detroit, but a very super friendly mis- Midwestern s- sort of vibe to it. Uh, so shout out to Detroit and Aretha Franklin. All right. Sounds good. And with that, that's our show, guys. If you want to be on the show, if you would like to have us cover a certain topic or play a certain game, do let us know. Go to biomass.com and, and hit us up. That being said, have a good week and we'll see you next time. Thank you.